you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to The Urban Shooter. This week on your favorite righteous podcast, what common sense things have we forgotten is our question of the week. Bone sings Midnight Hour. Zombie Strike number 41. Your tip, how to tell your direction using the stars. We review and talk to Caspian Arms to talk about a tool for the 1911. And then we talk briefly and give you an intro about Hollywood Sporting Clay's fundraiser for the City of Hope. All this and a whole lot more coming up next. Crossbreedholsters.com presents the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank God for an expert. The weekly pro-gun variety show featuring the internationally known black man with a gun. Little friend and brother from a different mother. That's what I call a close encounter. Ken Blanchard. Love it. This is a star. You're going to love it. It's a classic. Shalom, baby. This is your friend and brother from a different mother, Ken Blanchard, host of the Urban Shooter Show, the pro-gun variety show. Thank you for listening, downloading and subscribing to a show that's been recorded live with your support under the washer and dryer of the Blanchard home for the past three years. And I'm here to help you get through another week with some positive thoughts, gun news, views and how to's, questions to ponder, items to wander and old songs to thunder. For my new listeners, I'm a former Marine, former federal police officer, former a lot of things, actually. I became a gun activist in 1991, started a small firearms instruction business that bombed, became a consultant that worked actually for the NRA, created the 10th Cavalry Gun Club in 1992, and wrote a pro-gun primer called The Black Man with a Gun. I got a website that's been up since 1999. I did some commercials for people and was in a couple of international documentaries but didn't get paid for it. I was called into the gospel ministry in 2000, and by the grace and mercy of God, I am now a pastor. And the old folks at the church are still scratching their heads on that one too. I am passionate about life, compassionate to people that don't necessarily fit inside the modern church. I see through the stuff, you know, probably because I'm still a little rough around the edges myself and someone that would go through the gates of hell to get you out of there. I've done it before. I clean up good, though, but don't let the smooth taste fool you. God isn't finished with me yet. I'm real. I'm here for you. And I want and if you want someone to talk to that might possibly understand, I'm here and you can reach me real easy. My email address is blackmanwithagun at gmail.com or Ken at urbanshooterpodcast.com. And if you want to leave me a message on my toll free U.S. number, it's 888-675-0202. Now, you can have this show downloaded as soon as it's released, free and instantly, if you subscribe to the RSS feed on UrbanShooterPodcast.com or find it on iTunes or Zoom or one of the many other MP3 player aggregators. So make it easy on yourself. It's free, it's fast, and even though I make it look easy, I work my A off for you because I absolutely, positively love doing it for you. Quick shout out to all my listeners outside of the continental U.S., all those serving in the military, all those in the sandbox, and even those on foreign soil. Shukran, merci, obrigado para todo, gracias, shishini, kamsehamnada, domo origato, pa, 
Grazie. Danke. Dankeschön. Alnin Bara. Salamat po. And thank you. And now, brothers and sisters, let's get ready for episode 180 of your favorite righteous podcast, The Urban Shooter. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Well, my offspring is back in college, so the debt continues. But uh, pray for the little brother that he does all right this year. You know, a school year is supposedly only 180 days. So why does it seem like a lifetime when you're in it? 180, that's when you can turn around, right? It's like half of a 360. Well, that's the episode we got right now. Speaking of school, here goes a joke for you. Early one morning, a mother went to wake up her son. Wake up, Donnie. It's time to go to school. But why, Mom? I don't want to go. Give me two reasons why you don't want to go. Well, the kids hate me for one, and the teachers hate me for two. Oh, that's no reason not to go to school. Come on now and get ready. Give me two reasons why I should go to school. Donnie, for one, you're 52 years old, and for another, you're the principal. This has nothing to do with school, but while I was thinking about it, Does anybody know how to get the smell out of your car? I've I've lost that good new car smell with my Toyota. And um, I'll tell you what happened. I went fishing last week and did really good, actually. Caught some really nice-sized croaker and spot and some perch. The bad part was that little cap on the bottom of my old cooler broke off. So this fish juice, kind of like the the water from the ice and the fish kind of leaked into my trunk. And in the hot 100-degree temperature, my new car now smells like a fishing pier. And I took the um, all the little carpets out the back. There's like two things back there. And I even cleaned the inside out because the smell creeped into the, the cabin part, you know, into the place where you drive. And it's pretty bad. Um, my little Camry is smelling like a fish bucket. I took the stuff out and I left it in the sun. I tried that. Um, I hosed everything down. I showered it. I, sh- I scrubbed it rather. Um, and it still smells, well, now it doesn't smell like fish so much. kind of smells like butt. So if you got anything that can like, kind of help me get the funk out of my car, because, I mean, it's just bad. You can, it's rough. You can have a, a clean car. I mean, it's like shine on the outside and you get in it. And you got that old sock smell on a good day. So if you got any tips for cleaning your car, I'd appreciate it. The Minister of Defense, the pastor of Paladins, Patriots, and Pistoleros will be right back after these commercials. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget crossbreedholsters.com.
attention, Glock owners. Ready to dress up your Glock for performance or fun? Check out AmericanGunWorks.com. Steel targets, Glock products, tools, and more at AmericanGunWorks.com. And check out UrbanShooterPodcast.com for your private coupon code so that you can save at AmericanGunWorks.com. Your eyes are priceless. Don't settle for less than ESS iPro. Advanced eye protection systems for military, law enforcement, and fire rescue professionals. Protect your eyes and look good doing it. Designed to take on the planet's most hostile and unforgiving environments. Featuring cutting-edge technologies, patented innovations for peak performance, and uncompromised eye safety. ESSiPro.com Tell them Ken Blanchard sent you. ESSiPro.com What do I use at the shotgun range? Federal premium ammunition. Because every shot counts. And now, back to the man who's packing more than a browning. Tip of the week. Tip of the week. How to find direction without a compass. This is the star method. In the northern hemisphere... Locate the North Star, otherwise known as Polaris. The North Star is the last star in the handle of the Little Dipper. Walking toward it means you're walking north. You can use the Big Dipper to find the North Star. A straight, imaginary line drawn between the two stars at the end of the Big Dipper's bowl will point to the North Star. The distance to the North Star is about five times the distance between the two pointer stars. Southern Hemisphere Find the Southern Cross. The Southern Cross is a group of four bright stars in the shape of a cross tilted to one side. Imagine the long axis extends in a line five times its actual length. The point where this line ends is south. If you can view the horizon, draw an imaginary line straight down to create a southern landmark. Those are just two ways that you can navigate using stars. And your tip of the week. This week's guest on Urban Shooter is Gary from Caspian Arms. And let's hear that interview. Caspian Arms speaking. Hi, is Gary available? Hello? Hello. Hi, is Gary there? Uh, Let me check. Master's calling me. Ken Blanchard. Ken Blanchard, give me just a moment. All right. Urban Shooter. Hi, Ken. How's it going? It's going good. How are you, man? I'm well, sir. And tell me about Caspian Arms. Well, Caspian Arms is an all-American business in northern Vermont. It was started... Well, we're incorporated in 83 as Caspian Arms. Before that, we're a little two-machine shop. Um, My boss, Cal Foster, who is no longer with us, actually... um, got into the 1911 business by getting a contract for both Daytonics and Randall Arms. They were actually the, that was when stainless steel 1911s and boutique manufacturers were new to the market. Randall had made a 1911 that was left-handed, 
and he did quite a bit of business with those companies until they both went out of business unexpectedly on them. Oh, wow. So he thought he had all this expertise, so he might as well apply it to his own product. You know, we were fixtured, we had some material. So that's when Caspian was born and incorporated in 1983. So Cal had the idea at that time when somebody made a custom pistol or a competition pistol, they would usually use Colt Series 70 style pistol and team um, the rails and do whatever they needed to do to install high-end components. So there were a lot of high-end components out there. They were starting to get a lot of components, but nobody treated the frame and slide as a competition component. So what Cal did was pulled in the tolerance on the 1911 bolt blueprint to make a tighter tolerance basic platform for custom guns. So it was a product that was born for the custom pistol smith and the amateur builder that didn't want to fix up a gun, but like a hot rod, build it from the ground up with uh, performance parts. Oh, all right. Yeah, and, and uh, today we have about 20 employees. We're in a small building in a rural area. We have um, all somewhere around 80, 90 machines. 50 of them are the old hand-operated bridge boards, Cincinnati style. We have a battery of Fidel's, which are the only real American-made um, CNC machine. But unfortunately, it's, we're trying to keep it all American as possible, but we just bought a giant Mazak to help us boost production, which is a Japanese machine. We are primarily a U.S.-based manufacturer. We use U.S.-based materials that um, are built from our in-house generated tooling. For instance, we have Ruger's Pine Tree Division. They keep our tools in their house to produce us cast blanks for our frames. And we've done the same thing with a Forge, forging house in, uh, well, let me put it this way, it's out west somewhere All right. that has our proprietary tooling. So, once again, it's U.S. materials, U.S. machines, U.S. labor. Oh, that's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, we're proud of that. What really brought my attention recently, I always like the 1911s, though. i got to tell you that right off the bat. Slick stuff. Yes, sir. Thank you. But I, I really, just recently, somebody threw the 1911 tool in my hand. And I thought, you know what? This is like just is too cool for school. Hey, man. I couldn't agree more. It, it was one of those uh, ideas born out of necessity. Because let's face it, there's 50 parts in this gun, and, and, and you need more than one or two tools to service it. We right. just came up with this idea for a, a pocket tool that, Essentially, is everything you need to field strip and clean a 1911 service it. You have the right screwdrivers for your grip screw bushings, your magazine catch for most adjustable sites. You have Allen wrenches or grip screw bushings, grip screws again for recoil guide rods. Um, 
you have your punch for your main spring housing. You have your um, spring cutter, your bushing wrench, a pliers, a file, a knife, which you got to have a knife in a Yeah, just got to gotta have know, it. it. Oh, yeah. I mean, otherwise, you would be able to cut yourself on anything. <laughs> That's true. So it's, it's pretty much a, a real... There's so many gadgets that you buy that sound really good, and they wind up in a drawer somewhere, and they never use them. Exactly. These are one of those things that you use every day. If you're around a 1911, you're always grabbing for it. So true, man. So true. How can how can my listeners get to one real quick? How can oh, they order? Very easy. Very easy. They can either go to Brownells, Midway, or Dillon Precision. If they're customers of theirs, they, they carry them, or they could go on our website, caspianarms.com, and order directly from us. They could give us a call, give us an email, or send us a fax, and we'll get one to them post-haste. All right. Sounds good, Gary. Thank you, man, so much for that. Okay, well, thank you very much, Ken. I appreciate the call. I wish you all the best, and um, I might have to come visit you sometime soon. That would be just nice just to see the factory and how things are done. Oh, yeah. You're more than welcome to take the tour. I'll keep puppy hot. That'll work, man. Have a great week. All right. Okay, Ken. Thanks for calling. All Bye-bye. right, man. Bye-bye. It's the Part of my culture because of the way I grew up. If you need 19 rounds to shoot a deer, you probably shouldn't be hunting. Closing the gun show loophole so that we make sure that uh, we have the information we need. You're listening to The Urban Shooter, as heard on radio talk shows across the country. Featured in the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Washington Times. And now, here's your host, The Urban Shooter himself, Ken Blanchard. Question of the Week. What things have we forgotten? Sean said, I believe a whole bunch of people have forgotten that God is in charge and gave us commandments to live by. Ralph said that evil exists in many forms. Rob said people just forgot to say thank you. Alan says, don't spend money you don't have. What things have people forgot? What common sense things have we forgotten? Cam says having actual conversations with people rather than texting. Anthony, Douglas, and Miguel all had almost the same thing. They said they'd forgotten basic manners and patience. Kevin said, one cannot exercise rights they do not know they have. That's one of the common things that he thinks people have forgotten. John said that the guy who makes four times as much as you and the guy who makes a quarter of what you do both work their butts off to get it, just like you do. That's the common sense thing that everybody forgot. Frank said common sense is a phrase he really doesn't like to shy. He really doesn't like, and he shies away from it. He says because it's such a vague definition that differs from person to person. The anti-rights groups use it in their arguments all the time with common sense gun laws under the pretense that if you're against those gun laws, then you obviously have no common sense. He says his favorite and most accurate definition of common sense is attributed to Albert Einstein, who says, Common sense is the collection of prejudices acquired by age 18. Willard said 
Be excellent to one another, which is a throwback to Bill and Ted's excellent adventure back in the 80s. And Doc says that we should save something. Thanks, fellas, for that common sense reminder that common sense isn't as common as it used to be. Zombie Strike, Chapter 39, had an epilogue. The story goes to three places in three days. First, it was in Fort Stun, Florida. It was July 2010 with Jessica, who was at her mother's gravesite when the spirit warriors, Coyote and Wolf, appeared to her in person. After some brief dialogue between them about the team destroying the key and Wolf saying his job is to protect it, Wolf gives Jess a pup to foster. And guess what? His name is Billy. Slim arrives and the giant animals disappear into the mysterious fog. The next day, in Barcelona, Spain, in the bad guy camp, Castle and Alan watch in amazement as Giant, or Mikhail, slowly regenerates his blown body that used to be in bits and re- reassembles himself like a nine-foot amoeba. Castle gives Alan a new job to open the key. And in the Great Britain, on July 10th, Colin enters the home of a bad guy named West, He finds out that his sister is a hostage and that his new job is to assassinate Ken Blanchard. What the? Hey, who writes this stuff? This is Zombie Strike. Part 40. 
Skull Island, South Pacific, 24 July 2010, 2100 hours local, countdown, one year, three months, seven days. Owen Thomas, better known as Slim, stepped into the command center. The 20 or so techs didn't break their vigils over the various displays and communication equipment as the field team member entered. Slim grinned to himself as he imagined his father's reaction to such a reception. The colonel would have had a bloody fit if the lowly techs didn't properly acknowledge his superiority as an officer. Slim wondered again if his father's attitude was the reason the general staff failed to promote him. It was the reason Slim left home at the tender age of 16. Slim sat down at his computer station. The champions of truth had kept out of sight since the destruction of Mexico City. Not like that was too hard these days. The constellation of satellites the modern world depended on was mostly destroyed. What few were left were mostly under government control. Gone were the days of easy surveillance through electronic means. It was even harder here on Skull Island. All of the communications and internet systems were satellite-based. Right now, Skull Island and Zombie Strike were dependent on a lash-up system of high-end transceivers mounted on high-altitude balloons, retired cargo ships, and a few towers on atolls to communicate with the rest of the world. Trust the largest and oldest insurance firm to have a contingency plan for nearly everything. Slim didn't normally mind the command center, but Zombie Strike was a bit understaffed at the moment. Ken Blanchard and Mateo Cortez, Zombie Strike's leaders, were in D.C. Something about the American Parliament having hearings about the events in Mexico City. Nigel Brown, McKenzie, and Winston's liaison with Zombie Strike was also there, as was Jess Montgomery, Mateo's foster daughter. Colin Dubois, the team's de facto color sergeant, seemed a bit under the weather the past few weeks, so Slim offered to pitch in and take a few of Colin's watches. Slim sipped at his coffee. It would be another hour before the next data dump. All he could do was wait patiently. It looked like another slow night. Then the building rumbled and the command center was plunged into darkness. Slim let out a stream of curses as the emergency lights cut on. What the bloody hell just happened? That didn't feel like an earthquake. We have explosions in the main armory, the electrical plant, and the telecom exchange. Engineering is on damage control, but right now we're cut off and running on batteries. Slim grimaced at the report. One could have been an accident. Three was sabotage. Jane, my compliments to Mr. Dubois, and would you inform him that I need him here, please? Slim asked another tech. As she darted out of the room, Slim grabbed the attention of another tech. I want everyone on this island accounted for. I don't care if they're in the loo with the runs. I want them found and in the main dining room. Uh, uh, Mr. Thomas, one of the planes is taking off. And who's flying that plane? The airfield reports it was Colin Dubois. Slim stood there dumbstruck as the rest of Zombie Strike began rushing into the command center. Washington, D.C., 26 July, 2010. 1,600 hours local. Countdown. One year. Three months. Five days. Mateo Cortez smiled as he watched his daughter's play and tried very hard not to punch the man standing next to him. It wasn't this guy's fault. It just didn't occur to Mateo when he asked his ex-wife to come up for a family vacation that she'd bring her boyfriend. Of course, if Mateo hadn't been busy jumping all over the world fighting zombies, then he might just have known his wife was seeing someone. Anna, 
made this point quite clearly. Ted wasn't a bad guy. He was just boring. Ted reminded Mateo of every cooker-cutter professional he had met before joining Zombie Strike. The man had nothing to distinguish himself. Plus, there wasn't a small fact that his daughter liked Ted. At least, she didn't call him Daddy. Mateo wasn't sure how he could have handled that. At the moment, Mercedes was playing tag with Mateo's foster daughter, Jess, and Jess's new dog, Billy. Ken and Nigel were testifying in front of some congressional subcommittee, and Mateo decided to bring the girls to the mall and wait for his friends to finish. Ted had sort of invited himself along for what he called guy bonding. Mateo was pretty sure Anna had sent him, so that she could do some shopping on her own. Ted was chatting about the Buccaneers and the Rays. Mateo was ignoring them. Jess was the one that spotted Ken and Nigel first. The two men were walking around the reflecting pond and heading toward the group. Mateo waved and held up a pair of cigars, much to the dismay of Ted. Ted didn't smoke and thought it was a bad idea for Mateo to smoke in front of the girls. Mateo had politely told Ted what he could do with his advice. Nigel shoved Ken to the ground a split second before his chest exploded in a spray of red mist. The rifle's report echoed through the mall. Mateo shot a glance back to his daughters. Jess had a screaming Mercedes on the ground and was covering the five-year-old with her own body. Billy stood over the girls. The wolf pup eyes were locked back at the Lincoln Memorial. Mateo could almost see the shimmer of power coming off Billy as the pup protected the girls. Mateo ran through the panicked mass of people to check on Ken and Nigel. Ken was knelt over Nigel's still form, praying for their friend's soul. Mateo grabbed Ken and tried to drag the man behind some concealment. Cover was sparse in this part of the mall. Mateo desperately wanted his ZKC at the moment. All he had was a pocket knife. Ken shrugged out of Mateo's grip and knelt back down next to Nigel's body as police charged toward them. Ken, get back here. Someone just tried to take you out. Ken looked up at Mateo with sad and knowing eyes. They spooked Mateo. Sniper. He took his shot and he missed. He'll be evading right now. We're sort of safe for the moment. Mateo nodded as the two men were surrounded by police. In the confusion, Mateo completely forgot about Ted. Washington, D.C., 26 July, 2010. 2100 hours local. Countdown. One year. Three months. Five days. The man Mateo knew as Ted walked onto the Metro Red Line. He sat down and pulled out an e-book reader. He was patient. He had to be. Less than 10 minutes later, Colin Dubois casually sat down next to Ted. Colin was dressed in a conservative business suit. At rush hour, he blended into the crowd. Good afternoon, Mr. Dubois. Ted never looked up. I don't know how Nigel saw me. Calm down, Mr. Dubois. I did the groundwork for this transaction. I have already told my people that it wasn't your fault the deal fell through. Ted tilted the reader so Colin could see the picture of his sister. We are all professionals. We understand these things happen. We still want you to complete the transaction. We still want to deliver the package. Unfortunately, we won't be consulting with you this time. Please don't let a poison pill disrupt this transaction again. I understand. At the next stop, Colin leaped up and darted out of the train. Ted settled into his seat and waited. Colin Dubois watched as the train roared into a darkened tunnel. The man never suspected Colin was recording their conversation. Colin found a Wi-Fi spot and emailed Mateo the recording and some covert photos of the man. It was the only thing Colin could do to balance his betrayal. As he walked through the metro station, 
Colin started to plan his next try at assassinating his friend, Ken Blanchard. This concludes another installment of the narrated story Zombie Strike by Derek Ward. Join us next time for another exciting edition of the ongoing saga. This product is protected by copyright owned by Blanchard Studios, Kenneth Blanchard, and other individuals or entities. Any production, retransmission, republication, or any other use of part or audio found on this site is expressly prohibited unless prior written permission has been granted by Kenneth Blanchard or the appropriate copyright owner. All other rights reserved. Hey, if you've been listening to this show for a while or have read some of the stuff on theblackmanwithagun.com, you might think life has been pretty great for your friend and brother from a different mother. When I say thank you in the beginning of the show, it's because I have been through a lot over the past 20 years of gun rights advocacy and life in general, and I really appreciate you taking this journey with me. But don't get it wrong, I am not done. Actually, things are getting better every day. And I want you to stay with me if you can. You know, I share my silliness, my bad jokes, even worse, my singing. But I do it with people I've never seen. And this is the only way I can say thank you for the calls, for the emails, for the discourses on Facebook, the contributions on our forums, and taking the time to write a review for me on iTunes about the Urban Shooter Podcast. What you don't know is I've caught hell getting up to this point. So, in line with the theme of 180, let me take you back a minute to share some of my struggles so that when I celebrate a victory, you understand and you party with me. In all honesty, I know what it feels to be divorced, to have your wife walk out on you, to have your bank put your house up for foreclosure, to declare bankruptcy, to be sick, to have to take care of somebody who not very nice, actually, and you don't even like them, and actually to wonder where you belong in the cosmos. Before I was the pastor of Paladins, Patriots, and Pistoleros, I was also a janitor in a church trying to make additional money to save my marriage, keep my security clearance, and all the above fix my life. You know, I wrote Black Man with a Gun while I was sitting at the door watching protecting the choir and the children that came in and out of the big city church I belonged to and that later a couple of years I actually gave my trial sermon in front of but you know I was looked down upon by the black elite right in the church I didn't have a masters of divinity degree I wasn't from a wealthy family to them I was a nobody So I served the pastor of this big church as his aide, his servant, his armor bearer. I was made fun of, I was ridiculed, etc. But I did get a chance to see how a pastor really deals with church people, and that's a whole breed of folks all by itself. I think I learned more by his side than I did in seminary. It taught me how to be a shepherd. When Black Man with a Gun, the book, came out, I did get some press from the Washington Times and also some heat from the elders of that church who had some pull nationally as well and thought that I should not be a minister of the gospel. It didn't help matters because I didn't bow down to it. 
I took a picture holding up my two favorite weapons for that 2003 article in the Times. The Word of God, the King James Version, 1611, and the 45, made in 1911. I've spoken to pastors. I've been abused by the best in private chambers, in churches, in halls, in town meetings, where there was no media. All about our right to keep and bear arms. Even though I was never the lone pro-gun guy in the room, I was the only one that spoke up about it. I've debated Sarah Brady in Maryland legislature. I had the mothers of gangbangers curse me out for blaming the criminal instead of the gun. I've spoken to inner city kids. And I have no record of positive feedback I received after my first times on the radio here in D.C. back in the 90s. I can't tell you about how many jobs I've lost or the positions that I wasn't qualified for because of my gun activism. I can't tell you about the IRR accrued in my good government job because I was perceived as having already made it, so I didn't need to be promoted. I was going to be leaving soon. I've heard on more than one occasion, we heard you were a CEO of a corporation, so we didn't promote you. You don't know what family issues I've had with my aunts and uncles. Boy, why you do that gun thing? You always did like them guns as a kid. I remember that boy shooting skeeter hawks out by the pond with his BB gun. You may not know that before I left that big church, they kicked out my pastor and like the apostle Peter. Thought I was in on it too, so I had to deny him a couple of times to get out of there. And I went from church to church, hurt and bleeding from the evil that can be done by one Christian to another. I ended up at a little church in DC where I served and did what they needed until the Lord called me as pastor there. And even that caused a stir. And I only stayed there as long as I did because I thought they had accepted me as a pro-gun guy. I mean, I actually sold copies of my book one of the first times I spoke there. Years later, when I found out I was in a running to become pastor, I had my very own hater committee. One of the issues was the gun thing. If he becomes pastor, we will leave, said one of the wealthy family members. Ten people left the small church when I was ordained as the under-shepherd at. It was not and has not been a smooth transaction. They are also members of the aging black democratic elite of Washington. And I'm a little too common, a little too unlearned, and I get the same grief I got from the other church. But the good news is my God is greater than any problems that I have. But like me, you've survived another week. I know how it feels to want, to doubt, to fear, to be so angry you hurt. And I use this show to reach out to people who understand me. Some don't get it, actually. Some think I got it going on. I do this only because I know who I am, whose I am, and where I'm going. If you're going through something right now, just remember that you're just going through it. Everybody falls down. I thought I was the king of falling down. But this is what I learned. You don't drown if you fall in the water. You only drown if you stay there. I've traveled or lived in about 15 countries. I've been shot at, missed by explosives, yada, yada, yada. And if it hadn't been for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here now. 
And I bless God for that. I don't always say the right thing, but I mean what I say. I'm closer to fulfilling my dreams now and living the life that I've ever been. Through this show, I've either met you or consider you my friend. Now, how cool is that? Through this show, I got people that actually return my phone calls and even want to advertise or on this little podcast or website. Because of this show, I get to do what I love, inspire, entertain, and enlighten. Right now, I'm still working to get out of the cubicle to not have to drive two hours one way to work in traffic to support my family and pay for my son's college. I still have to be a full-time pastor at a church that mostly just tolerates me. But, you know, I'd like to be the Billy Graham of the gun world or just the new Billy Graham. Able to flip around in the country in my RV, preaching, teaching, reaching, and inspiring people to live up to their true potential. Okay, I admit it. I am a big cheerleader. I believe that after the world smacks you around, you need somebody to kind of lift you up every once in a while. And I need you. I like to share your laughter, your kids' births, the baby stories, the wedding plans, as well as what just you bought from the range or you got and getting ready to shoot. I want to hear all that. This show is really just me. And I'm just getting warmed up. I might end up on television, but if I do, I'm not going to be stuck up. I plan to live just like Martin Luther King Jr. might have if he had the chance. Fighting injustice, defending the weak, you know, doing what I do best. Now, I am kind of salty. I'm still the rough, tough, can't get enough mean, lean U.S. Marine type. But also was a dancer once, a Prince fan, a tactical boot-wearing, high-time-swearing federal police officer, a Harley-Davidson-riding biker, and a flag-saluting, Cohiba-smoking patriot that is more independent than your average bear. Yeah, I know I'm a little different. As a pastor, I am not holier than thou. I am truly a servant. I know where I came from, and I don't try to pretend I'm anything more than I am. I fear no man. But know this, I will go through the gates of hell to get you. And I have. If you're serving in the military and you're looking for a job when you get out, send me an email. I will try my best. I'll float your resume as best I can. If you're anywhere and you need something, just send me an email. If I can help you, I will. I am here. This is more than a podcast to me, more than a little cute blog. So just like that, I appreciate your emails of encouragement. I appreciate the monetary support. I appreciate you only as a brother can. You know, you can't choose your relatives, but I'm glad you chose me. It's been one heck of a ride, and it feels so much better when you got friends with you. So where are we going next? You know, every day I get a new surprise in this thing. Can you believe I got approved to be a media representative for the Celebrity Shotgun Invitational on October 9th in Hollywood? Yeah, me. And I'm so glad because I couldn't afford a ticket, but it's a great cause curing cancer and supporting the City of Hope. Did you know that the chance of an American man developing cancer in his lifetime is one in two? And the chance of an American woman developing cancer in her lifetime is one in three? See, this is a good cause. And at the time of this recording, I don't have a ticket yet, but I'm still planning to go. 
the bank account has $12 in it, and the bank just called to see if I knew they don't have overdraft protection. Aren't they nice? Hope to get out there, though, and meet and shoot with Patrick Kilpatrick, Colin Farrell, James Woods, Ron Perlman, Julian McMahon, uh, Joe Mantegna, Michael Rooker, Ernie Hudson, Jesse Camacho, was that Jesse Camacho? Yeah, Cedric Yarborough, Bai Ling, I'm trying to read from this paper here, Dominica Wolski, and Eva Longora Parker. I think them last three were babes, right? And it's all at the Triple B shooting range in El Monte, California. They got a red carpet event, and I'm going to cover it as only the urban shooter can. And I'm going to have a good time if I can if I can help myself. Can I be real honest with you? Doing this show and, and all of this is a big deal to me. It's you know it's a one-time shot because I don't have that kind of money. I'm not that kind of guy. But I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to video. I'm going to interview whoever doesn't run away, run away from me. And I'm just going to try to enjoy myself. I mean, you know, like a one-shot wonder. I'm going to grab me a glass of water and let you hear this commercial I just made that's all cool in the game about this event. I'll be right back. I'm going to Hollywood, baby, and I want you with me. Saturday, October 9th, 2010, at the Triple B Clay's Shotgun Sporting Park in El Monte, California, to benefit City of Hope Marrow Donor Program. For nearly 100 years, City of Hope's pioneering research has brought the world closer to cures for many life-threatening diseases, from cancer to diabetes. For many people, the City of Hope is where hope begins. A starburst of A-listers joined forces to benefit the City of Hope Marrow Donor Program at the 2010 Hollywood Shotgun Sporting Clays Invitational. Triple B Shotgun Sporting Park is the backdrop for this star-studded competition on Saturday, October 9th in Los Angeles, California. So join me, your friend and brother from a different mother, Ken Blanchard, at this star-studded Hollywood Shotgun Invitational, Saturday, October 9th, 2010, to benefit the City of Hope Bone Marrow Donor Program. For details and tickets, visit HollywoodSportClays.com. Now, ain't that cool? Now, I'll be in Cali for that weekend, so if you can swing by, that would be real nice. I would love to meet you. On the East Coast, Pablo, the Minister of Defense from Hampton Roads, is working like a runaway slave to finagle a TV talk show pilot for the urban shooter. That man, that dude is hustling and working with our budget of negative zero dollars to get a set, production company, and a video so we can get this thing rolling. It might not happen to 2011, but that's okay. I got a couple of gun reviews coming up soon on the show. I got a pistol from Six Hour Arms and one from ISSC Austria, that new Glock-looking 22 cal. So now, after I wait the seven days plus that is normal but oh so wrong in the ungun-friendly state of Maryland, I'll be able to pick them up. And then we'll talk about it in the upcoming show. I filled out that plethora of forms and submitted myself once again for that national background check to do so. But that's how it is in this place. So stay tuned. If you have business that you want me to advertise for you while I'm out in California, call or email me. I can put your business name, your URL or whatever on a patch or something on my shooting vest. Say, what's the chance of me getting discovered out there anyway? I'm just going to enjoy the ride and I'm pretty excited about it. It's all cool in the game. (laughs) 
All right, don't forget, if you got a suggestion on ways I can clean um, the inside of my car out and get that funky smell out, let me know. Um, it still smells like butt, and, uh, which is a little bit better than fish, but not much. Just email me, blackmanwiththegun at gmail.com, and I'll be much appreciative. Went through a period of nostalgia, and everybody thinks that yesterday was better than today. I don't think so. And I would advise you not to wait 10 years before admitting today it was great. And if you're hung up on nostalgia, pretend today is yesterday and just go out and have one heck of a time. Until next week, this is your friend and brother from a different mother. Wishing you peace. Shalom, baby. Shalom, baby.